0: Shalom, Mishpochah. Shalom, family. Mishpochah is a Hebrew word. It means family. And we're the Mishpochah, the family with the Jewish heart, made up of Jewish and non-Jewish people with a middle wall of separation between Jew and Gentile. It's finally come down to form one new man. Getting ready, Mishpochah, to blow the grandest shofar oh, the grandest trumpet in Zion. We want everyone everywhere to hear the good news. We want everyone everywhere to be Red hot for the Messiah. My guest, Steve Foss, has had a vision from God that gives a revelation of what is keeping us from fulfilling our destiny in the invisible world. There are multiple demons, as we know, but there are two that control most believers' lives. And when these two are recognized, and dealt with in a very supernatural fashion no other demons have any foothold in an individual and then you can be what jesus said you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free so many christians do not fulfill their destiny because all types of fear stop them from making that step of faith and seeing that door open and they're just praying, Lord, open the door, open the door. And that fear is holding them back. But my guest, Steve Foss, is no stranger to fear and insecurity. And as a matter of fact, Steve, at age 20, I don't quite get it why you even went to a Christian meeting. Tell me what your life was like before you walked in the door at that meeting.
1: Of five years of drug addiction, stealing from family, dealing drugs, kicked out of high school six weeks before graduation. I was so horribly tormented on the inside by fear, insecurity, inferiority, uh, never feeling like I measured up. I was the third of, of four kids. I always felt like I was the black sheep of the family. But I went to this meeting, Said actually to go find people to party with. I had learned a lot of Christian youth groups didn't have – uh you could go to the hang around the back and find the the non Christians. And that's what I went there looking for. I was new in this town and I was looking for people to do drugs with. But instead I found people that partied a little different than I was used to. They were having a time and a revival and a move of God.
0: And and and, and you heard supernatural things such as words of knowledge and uh people came forward and you saw things you've never seen you'd never seen before. What did you see?
1: I saw people getting touched by God. The preacher was moving in words of knowledge, calling people out of the audience. He had called people forward at first to get saved, and four people went down there, Sid. And the first guy went down. He was very what we would call a nerd-looking. You know, had big pimples and broken glasses. And when he went down forward, I thought, yeah, if I looked like him, I'd go, you know, (laughs) give my life to Jesus too. And the next two people down were average. The fourth guy was a big football player, good-looking guy, perfect body, uh, had the football letter jacket on, dressed like he had money. You knew he had the girls. And I, I remember thinking, this guy's got the body. He's got the looks. He's got the women. He's got the money. He's got the talent. Everything I wish I had, he has. Why is he giving his, going down there to give his life to Jesus? And then the preacher began to pray. And he went and prayed for the nerd kid first. And he fell down on the ground. I'd never seen anything like this before. And I literally stood up in the room, and I said, no way, the dude passed out. (laughs) And then he started praying for the next two people. He went to the football player, and I'm thinking, there's no way this guy's going to fall down. When he began to pray for him, this man began to cry. This young man began to cry like a little baby. And I thought, guys like this, jocks like this, do not cry about God in front of 300 of the fellow students. This must be real. then i had a supernatural encounter with god said right there the power of god came over me a numbness went up and down my arms and up and down my legs and i began to hear the voice of the holy spirit saying give your life to jesus give your life to jesus but at the same time i heard another voice screaming at me no keep doing your drugs Finally, after 40 minutes, I bowed my head, closed my eyes. I said, God, if this is really you, if this is not phony or fake, if this is really you, have that preacher call me out of the audience. Said within 30 seconds, 300 students in the room, that preacher pointed right to me and said, brother, the Lord wants you down there.
0: Uh, Your heart must have been pumping so fast when that preacher calls you to come forward right after. It's it's just you breathe the prayer. And he he responds instantly uh, as you were walking forward. Were you a little fearful? terrified. <laughs> I'm sure In
1: fact, I started by the time I got down there, I started to cry. I was so scared of what just happened. So freaked out. He calmed me down. He said, do you want to give your life to Jesus? I said, yes, I do. He led me through the sinner's prayer. He laid his hands on me. He bound the power of Satan over my life. And he said these words, Jesus, fill him right now. And when he said, now, Sid, it was a lightning bolt from heaven came down, hit me in my gut, exploded through my body. I fell to the floor. I was physically pinned to the floor for 40 minutes under a river of incredible power and love. I heard what sounded like a choir of millions singing an indescribable song, and I literally felt the bodily presence of Jesus come and hover over my body. On that floor, I, when I got up 40 minutes later... I was instantaneously delivered from five years of drug addiction, and the desire was forever gone.
0: But wait a second. This is impossible. What you just described is impossible. Five years of addiction and set free
1: instantly? No withdrawals. Everything changed. Everything shifted on the inside.
0: And then a couple days later, God revealed his call on your
1: life. I was in another meeting, and there uh, they were teaching on forgiveness, and I was forgiving people that had hurt me and my stepmother and all. She was a, a, an alcoholic and all the abuse that came as a result of that. And right there on the floor, God showed me all the dreams that I had for my life. But then he said, I've called you to preach my gospel. I said, yes, Lord, I will. And right there, waves of power again came over me. And without even knowing what it was, God gloriously baptized me in the Holy Spirit, and I started speaking in a heavenly language.
0: You know what amazes me is uh, you had a couple of visions. And the first vision, you actually saw someone, knew, had a word from God for them before you even went into the meeting. Does this happen to you often?
1: Yes, often I do. this, it began with that, a time, but where I'll see things. I saw this young man sitting in a meeting. I saw exactly where he was going to be, exactly where he was dressed, had never met him before. I had a word of God for him, and I called him out in the meeting. This was a high school Bible study uh, before, at, at the school, 70 students. I called him out. I delivered him the word, and it was exactly – I told him about the call of God in his life. He began to cry and say, I just told my mother last night that I feel like I'm called by God to be a preacher. And I prayed for him, standing five feet away from him. I just spoke a word over him, and the power of God hit him, and he got slain in the Spirit. This Southern Baptist boy <laughs> got slain in the Spirit in front of all of these kids that mainly were from the Baptist background.
0: So, so they, they had no frame of reference for being overcome by the Spirit of God or shaking.
1: Not at all. Not at all. But sit, I'll tell you, it is the second vision that revolutionized my life. I was praying for this campus, was praying for these students, was binding the spirit of fear, binding lust, binding rage, uh, binding unforgiveness, uh, all the things you would think you would find on a high school campus. And I felt like it wasn't moving in the spirit. I felt such a resistance. And then all of a sudden I had an open vision. I'm standing on a field, looking across the field at this campus, and I see these two giant tentacles coming up out of the ground. And they were wrapped together up top. Connected to the tentacles were all these smaller demon spirits. I could see their names clearly. Fear, anger, rage, lust, unforgiveness, deep hurt. I could see them. I was excited when I saw them. I said, aha, I know exactly where you are. So I began to pray. And when I prayed and I identified each one, it would be like a mighty wind was hitting them. And they would be knocked back like like a leaf in a strong gust. But as soon as I stopped praying, they would be able to stand up strong. And I kept doing this one after another. And I said, Lord, why isn't it breaking? And I realized that they were getting their strengths from these roots they had in these two giant tentacles. And I said, Father, what are those tentacles? And he said, Son, those are the same two demon spirits that was released in the Garden of Eden. And it's the two demon spirits that every spirit gets its strength from. I said, Lord, what are those? What are those? For 30 minutes, said I prayed with this open vision. I prayed and prayed and prayed because there's a lot of revelation. We have to go very deep in the spirit to get a hold of. And all of a sudden, after 30 minutes, my eyes were open. I could see beneath the surface. I saw the roots of these two tentacles, and they had written on them the names insecurity and inferiority. I didn't even know what insecurity, inferiority, and inferiority meant. I went and grabbed a dictionary. I looked it up. And inferiority means a feeling of being lower in position, stature, or value. And insecurity, the loss of the sense of, of safety. And God said these are the same two demon spirits that were released upon Eve in the garden that is the same trap that opens the door for the strongholds of everything else in all of our lives. And if we can break those two, we can truly walk free.
0: And the thing that's so amazing is I read your book and I listened to your tapes is you saw all the spirits that are harassing young people. You can go to any college in the world and see those same spirits manifesting themselves. And no matter how hard you prayed, you weren't setting people free from those spirits until you had this revelation. It was God literally opened your eyes I don't understand. It, it's so basic because it, it, once you understand this, it's exactly what happened in the Garden of Eden. And the reason Jesus came was to reverse all the tragedy that the de- serpent and the devil caused in the Garden of Eden. Now, you have a church today, and you teach these principles. What effect does it have on your church?
1: You know, said so many people that love God are not even in church anymore because they've been— Hurts and wounds, and that's where all of these come from. They feel so insecure. They feel so inferior. They feel so disconnected. Half of our church has grown. We're less than two and a half years old. We started with my family and three people. We have over 800 people coming now. It keeps growing and growing, but the lives are being changed and transformed. People that were disenfranchised, hurt, wounded, uh, feeling so insecure and inferior, now are getting free. They're getting bold. They're out there witnessing.
0: But you require every new person to read your book and now it's been expanded with five new chapters and one in particular just for those that are listening to us uh, or write to the messianic vision it's called satan's dirty little secret and it identifies the two demon spirits that are the mother load of all the demons that you get rid of them you can get rid of all the other spirits shows you how to get rid of them and then the three cd teaching It's revolutionized my walk, I can tell you that, and I've heard heard lots of teaching. It's called Fearless, but you, for the first time, will get rid of fear and accomplish the destiny God's called you to. The three CDs and the book, Satan's Dirty Little Secret, the expanded version, available for a gift of $35. Call our order-only line, 1-800-447-2697. 1-800-447-2697 one 800 on yesterday's broadcast, you stated that before you went to a meeting of young people uh, that were mostly Baptists and had never seen anything supernatural, you had a vision of, of a particular person, you had a word for him. It was the same word he discussed with his mother the day before, uh, and he'd never seen the or the kids had never seen anyone fall over in the spirit. They'd never seen someone shake. You prayed for him. It it, it caught their attention. And then you had a second vision uh, of the demons that were affecting these young kids. And there's no difference between those young kids and young kids and older kids uh, that, unfortunately, are even listening to us today. And you prayed and you prayed and you couldn't get rid of those demons that were harassing them and tearing them apart and stopping them from fulfilling their destiny. And then... Your eyes were opened in the invisible realm as you proceeded to pray, and you found the mother load of what was giving the power to all these other demons. Tell me about that.
1: Well, God showed me in the vision, as I saw these two giant tentacles, and all the other demon spirits were rooted, their feet were rooted in these tentacles. That's what they were getting their strength from. And God said those two tentacles are the two spirits that every other spirit gets its strength from. And after 30 minutes of intensive prayer, my eyes were opened, and I saw even more. And I saw that these two spirits were called insecurity and inferiority. And God said, they are the same two demon spirits that was released upon Eve in the garden. And I said, Lord, I've read that story many, many times. I never saw it in there. And He had me turn in my Bible back there, and I saw where the serpent turned to Eve and began to lie to her. And he said, as God said, you shall not eat of any tree of the garden. And she said, no, we can eat of the trees of the garden, just not the tree in the midst of the garden. God says, if we eat it or touch it, we will die. And then the serpent said, you will not die. Eve, God is lying to you. He is not, he's holding out on you. You can't trust God. Everything Eve knew to be true. Her whole security was based on the truthfulness of God's word. Now, when she began to questioned God's motives, questioned whether God was actually being truthful with her, she began to feel insecure. The enemy released, the serpent released upon her insecurity. And then he said, God knows when you eat of it, you'll be like God knowing good and evil. But that was a lie too, because they were already created in the image of God. Genesis 1 and 2 tells us clearly they were created in the image of God. But the serpent was lying to her and saying, no, you're not who you think you are. You're less in position, stature, or value. You're inferior to what you think you are. And he released upon her the second spirit, the spirit of inferiority. And the moment God showed me, the moment we begin to feel insecure and inferior, the enemy will offer us something to grab a hold of, to try to gain a sense of security and a sense of value. But here's the trap, Sid. When she grabbed of the fruit, she lost what she actually had. When she felt insecure and inferior, she really wasn't insecure.
0: So the the devil started back in the Garden of Eden with an absolute bold-faced lie, and she bought
1: it. She bought the lie because one of the things, he got her to begin to question the motives of God. What is God really up to? Why, want, why doesn't he want me to know the knowledge of good and evil? Why is he holding back on me? And once you begin to shift your judgment of people's motives, and this is a word, said, I've got to hit this for right now because this is a word for some mothers that are listening right now. Once the enemy can get somebody to begin to question the motive of their authority, it will then give them the sense of justification To act in a rebellious way because they do it to protect themselves. Eve justified her rebellion to God because, well, God's not being honest with me. Therefore, it's okay for me to reject what God said. And there are mothers listening right now. I can see them listening right now that you have a rebellious teenager. you, You don't understand what's going on. But the devil has used the strategies of insecurity and inferiority on your child and is getting them to question your motives. The motives of why you're dealing with the, how they're dressing. The motives of why you're dealing with uh, the music they listen to. The motives of why you're telling them to stay away from certain kids and certain friends. And the devil is getting them to question your motives, which is they'll open the door. Oh, my father God, I feel this so strong. It's opened the door for them then to reject your authority. But once they begin to reject your authority, mom, once they begin to reject your authority, that gets them out from under the spiritual protection and that's where the enemy is able to come in and start hitting him with all these other things. It is a lie of the devil. But we are going to break. Sid, God is going to give revelation in these this week and through this thing that you're offering. God is going to give revelation. I see this mother right now. She's got a 13 year old that is so, that is that is she she is out of control. But God is going to break the back of that spirit of rebellion in the name of Jesus. Ooh, my father God.
0: <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you, I'm excited. But where the rubber meets the road is. Steve Foss, you had this revelation. It makes so much sense to me. Uh, the background you came from, I can see why God gave you that revelation. If there was anyone that was dealing with uh, insecurity and inferiority, it had to be you. I mean, you, you, you were literally kicked out of high school because of drugs at 15. Uh, and you, you thought you were nothing I mean, you know, you had a tough upbringing. Your your parents split up. Uh, and how has it changed you? I mean, God supernaturally set you free of of uh, how many years of drug addiction? Five years. Of-, of five years of drug addiction. But you know what I found? Someone can be supernaturally set free of five years of drug addiction, but. How has it set you free from the, that deep wounding you had, that deep fear you had, that deep insecurity you had, that deep inferiority that you had?
1: In the revelation of Christ, see, I, I go around the world. I've traveled all over the world. Said, I've ministered to millions of people. I've gone into very dangerous places, uh, dangerous situations, and people always turn to me and they say, how is it that you're so fearless? How is it that you're so bold? Well, you know, and they think I was—I was one of those people with that kind of nature. And I said, "Oh, if you only understood how much I cowered, how much I—I—I I, I, I felt so rejected, how much I was so fearful." Said I was so afraid of even failure. This sounds perverse, but this is the destruction. I was so afraid of failure that I would intentionally not even try, so that. It wasn't me failing. It was me choosing just not to do it. That's one of the reasons I got kicked out of school. I was so afraid of failure that I just stopped even going to class. I just stopped attending because then at least I was in control. It it was a delusion. It was a perversion in my mind. I was so fearful about stepping out. I was so fearful about uh, doing uh, doing things. And then this has changed and transformed every aspect of my life. We're just, we, I, there's this fearlessness that comes up. There.
0: Right, wait a second. That's good for you. But now you have a church. How And you require your book, now it's an expanded book, Satan's Dirty Little Secret, the two demon spirits that all demons get their strength from, and how to be set free. You require everyone to
1: read the book. How does it play out in your church? That's a good place to have challenges. Oh, absolutely! We're seeing we're seeing people from every age group getting revolutionized. Got a young man that came. Well, he's 28 years old. Was kicked out of the military because of his drunkenness and his, all his bad behavior. He was the uh, the the one that was always picked on by even his father and by his brothers. Horrifically insecure. Came into one of our meetings. Got touched by the power of God. The first thing we did is get him into this book. He came to me. He started just in tears saying, this has been me all of my life. This is why i failed. This is why my marriage failed. This is why my military career failed. It's right here. Sid, I'm telling you, you would never know it by meeting him right now. He is one of the most self-confident, bold, fearless young men. He's out there witnessing. He's back in school. He's, uh, uh, learning, uh, he's becoming an electrician by trade. God has just revolutionized his life because he got a hold of these principles. He recognized, see, Satan operates in secret. He recognized the this, this insecurity. He recognized the inferiority that was in his life. And he began to take the principles of getting the breakthrough, getting the revelation of God that shattered those things. So he began to see who God has called him to be. And he can walk free from the lies and the intimidation of the enemy.
0: There there are people listening to us right now, and you have said either to yourself or out loud, I can't do this. Well, you know, every time you say I can't, it's obviously rooted in fear. And I believe, Steve, first of all, I read your book many years ago, but this expanded version uh, to me is so important. And I found out something else. You have to read this book more than once. Has anyone ever told you that, Steve? Constantly.
1: They go back through it and go back through it because it's not a good read. It's a life-changing revelation.
0: You know something? When you are free of all fear, when you can walk in the destiny that God has given you, when you can walk In God, 24-7, it's the greatest adventure in the world. But there are things stopping you from achieving your destiny. There are things that are stopping you, and you're you're, you're prayed to God. And you say, God, I hear about these others. I read about these people in the Bible. But what's wrong with me? Am I Swiss cheese? Uh, Steve Foss What's
1: wrong with that person that says, I can't, I can't, I can't? You know, we, we've talked about the revelation that all the strongholds of the enemy get their strength from insecurity and inferiority. Those are the door openers, Sid. But then build a wall of fear. This fear, I have. there's nothing I've seen more rob more people of their destiny. I believe more Christians are robbed of their destiny because of fear than they are even because of immorality. It, it bottles them up, it binds them up, and it causes them to build walls of protection, what they believe are protection, that ultimately become the very prisons that enslave them.
0: Now, one out of two Christian families will end up in divorce, according to statistics. That makes no sense to me, no sense whatsoever. I have to believe that if if the husband and wife were to read your book, Satan's Dirty Little Secret, especially the expanded version and the one that we actually have, a chapter that no one else has, uh, and listen to your three CDs called Fearless, it would change marriages. Uh, tell me one from your church where a marriage was changed because we have,
1: they... We have this one couple. They were on the verge of divorce. I mean, fighting all the time, World War Three. And they were on the verge of divorce, and when I got into counseling, the, the, the wife, dear precious lady, but the wife was so riddled with so much insecurity and inferiority, and it was manifesting through fear that she was always questioning, all, questioning the motives of her husband, why this, why that, everything about finances, everything that went on. It was, re- it was literally destroying their marriage. And I remember looking at him in counseling, and he's, he's got this look of like, Pastor, please help me. I don't know what to do. I'm trying everything. I took her to the book, Satan's Dirt Little Secret, and began to deal with her on this revelation about breaking the power of fear. God began to break it open her. Now she's a significant leader in our church. Their marriage is one of the strongest marriages in our church. They're doing absolutely amazing because we broke. We went down to the roots and finally broke these things. I'm telling you, I've watched fear causes people to retreat within a wall of protection, but that's not, it doesn't protect them. It enslaves them. It imprisons them, and it stops them from moving out of that into their destiny.
0: And and people think just because they're a believer, that should not happen. But I almost think uh, the devil works extra time because they are a believer to stop them from fulfilling their destiny.
1: Absolutely. And we try to deal, and this is powerful, we try to deal with, and I believe very strongly in the authority of binding and loosing spirits, but we keep trying to bind the spirits out there without dealing the roots that are in our heart. And if Jesus said, Satan hath nothing in me, and if we keep trying to bind the spirits out there but don't also deal with the access point in our heart, the enemy is going to keep able to come back and he's going to keep pummeling us because we have a door open in our heart and a vulnerability. And I've watched this. Sid, I was in a meeting, uh, a, a revival that broke loose 10 years ago that nearly was stopped. A revival that went on for 25 months that was nearly stopped because of fear. We, we went into a meeting. I was only supposed to go for three days. Actually, I'd been to this church about uh, uh, six months earlier. We had an incredible services. It seemed like revival was about to break loose. And then it just, when I left, it kind of pittered out. The pastor had been praying for revival for 20 years. He became so discouraged uh, after that, and the people became discouraged. The spirit of discouraged we came over to church, they just decided to give up on it. He actually decided, well, I'm going to make this church a seeker-sensitive church. And even on Mother's Day, he didn't even preach a message. He did a game show. And everybody, oh, this is so fun and everything. When I came back in July for a three-day meeting.
0: How does someone go... From revival, the presence of God, people's lives being dramatically changed, miracles happen, to seeker-sensitive. That, I I can see how someone could be seeker-sensitive if they've never tasted that. But how could they go back?
1: Because they get to the point where they begin to fear—this is so powerful—that they'll never get there. So they then— So they sabotage themselves so that they won't have to fail? That's right. Hmm. They decide to quit. They decide to retreat within a wall. It's a wall of fear. I don't call it fear. Sometimes we call it wisdom. Hmm. or oh, it'd be wisdom if we do it this way. But there's no wisdom that's rooted in the fear of man. Oh my goodness. Wisdom is only rooted rooted in the fear of God. And they call it wisdom, and they retreat within these walls. So here's a safe wall. I can have a, a growing church, and I can have the crowds, and I can keep the people happy if I just water down the gospel, if I just make it uh, a, you know, warm and pleasing all the time, and if I stop pursuing and pressing for revival. Because I don't believe I'm actually—I actually, got discouraged. I don't believe I'm ever going to get there. I'm afraid of the, that I'll never get there.
0: <laughs> and, and so they, they, they get satisfied with— what I call inferior Christianity. It's not close to what I read about in the Bible. I just, you know what my prayer is, Steve? That everyone would be normal. Normal is defined by the Bible. Amen. <laughs> so tell me about, all right, so you come back to this church, you're shocked because they got, went from being red hot for the Lord to being seeker sensitive, and they've justified it all. Uh, then what?
1: So I, I get up there, and I'm preaching on God's looking for a place to host an outbreak of the Holy Ghost. And I give an altar call, and you know some people come forward, and I'm praying for people, and it's nothing spectacular. There's little manifestations here, but nothing spectacular. And it goes on for about 10 minutes. When all of a sudden I hear a sound to my right or to my left, I look over, and somehow about a dozen children snuck up to the altar. I, nobody knows why they gathered up there. And I looked over and they started shaking uncontrollably under the power of God. They began to cry. They began to scream out, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. They started collapsing. No one laying hands on them. Started collapsing under the power of God. I'm looking over. The parents start looking over. We're all saying, What is happening here? It was clearly an outpouring of God on the children. A phenomenon. That went on for over an hour. Well, said the next all three nights were amazing. I talked to the pastor. We said, we've got to continue this. This is a move of God. This is it. It's happening. I came back to California, ready to fly back the next week to continue the meetings. I called up the pastor, and he said, we have a problem. He said uh, he had a 16-member board in his church, and he said 12 of them have told me they have a check in their spirit, and, 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 and they said, we're not ready for revival now. And I was like, what, 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 what do you mean? You, you've got to do this. And I read it to rebuke the pastor, but I held my tongue and I went into prayer. And I said, God, what is it? He said, they don't feel a check in the spirit. He said, that's a cover story. He said, they're afraid about the money. They're afraid they don't have the money to handle a revival. So I called the pastor back up. I told him what God said. He was having a board meeting that night. I said, go into that board meeting. Keep your mouth quiet. About 25 minutes, God showed me, 25 minutes into the board meeting, they will open their mouth and they will tell you the truth. At first they're going to tell you they have a check in their spirit and they'll give you all these other excuses. Then the truth is going to come out. It's all about the money. Just as I prophesied to him, he went in that meeting, saw, sat for 25 minutes. All of a sudden it came out and everybody admitted they were afraid about the money. God had given me, though, a strategy how to handle the financial part of it. And he told them the strategy I gave them. They agreed to do one more week's worth of meetings. Well, the pastor was desperate, and I was desperate. God, you've got to break the power of this fear. Because we both knew in our hearts this was a, this was a real revival that was about to break out. And these elders were about to stop it because of fear. Well, we came back that next Wednesday night and said, this is so amazing. The, the meeting was phenomenal. I never even got to preach. The power of God fell all over the building. But after we left... Twelve of those elders were in the parking lot. It was a crystal clear night, not a cloud in the sky, a gentle breeze blowing. They were talking about the meetings and still not sure when all of a sudden a bright white cloud formed right over the church. And that cloud was at the exact length and width of the sanctuary, and it slowly lowered. They said you could have stood on the roof and put your hand in that cloud. It was there for 25 minutes and then disappeared. And when those elders got home, their families all started freaking out because their bodies were covered with golden flakes all over their body.
0: Now, I hope fear didn't stop them from continuing after that.
1: No, that broke the power of mm. it. That, that three-day meeting went on for 25 months.
0: And, and how easy would it have been to have it aborted before it even started?
1: That's exactly, and that's the perfect word. That's a, that's a, that's a word from God you just gave because so many people's destinies are aborted because they've yielded and they hid behind a wall of fear instead of allowing allowing the revelation of God, the encounter of God, and the love of God to destroy the power of that fear.
0: Well, I'm overwhelmed, I have to say this to you, Steve, of some of the truth that you have brought forth. This is mandatory for every Christian his book, which has been expanded, four new chapters, and we have a fifth chapter that no, that even the bookstores uh, don't have. It's called Satan's Dirty Little Secret, the two demon spirits that all demons get their strength from. And once you understand this, and then he clearly teaches how to get free, it's going to change your destiny, your children's destiny, your marriage, your job, your church your city, there's hope for America. And then the three CDs, Fearless. I've heard a lot of teaching before, Steve, but this is so revolutionary. I mean, even as you get into explaining motives of people, these are things that are So basic people should understand. You're going to understand why you've had problems in your marriage, why you've had problems with your children, why you've had problems in church after church. This is mandatory, I'm making it available to you, all of these, the three CDs, the expanded book available for a gift of $35. Call or right today. The book is called Satan's Dirty Little Secret. Call our order only line, one 447 2697. 447 2697. Steve Foss, God gave you a revelation that uh, as you go back to the Garden of Eden, you see how these were the two root spirits that destroyed Adam and Eve from utopic. Uh, Life with intimacy with God and freedom and peace.
1: You know, once we see this two spirits of insecurity and inferiority that got released in the garden and Eve became feeling insecure and she started feeling inferior. So she went and justified her rebellion because she questioned the motives of God. She grabbed a hold of the fruit. But once she did that, once she grabbed a hold of something, other than god to get her sense of security and her sense of value then it opened the door for fear to set up root because she took of the fruit then she gave it to her husband and this is what's so powerful in genesis chapter 3 when god came and called through the garden and it's very interesting because the bible says that god was in the garden in the cool of the day but that word cool is actually the word ruach it's the spirit of the day. And I believe it's referring to God came in the spirit of the day, the day of judgment. He came in in the spirit of the day because they had just sinned. They went and they hid themselves from the, from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. And then the Lord God called to Adam and Eve and said to them, where are you? And he said, I, ha- I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid... Because I was naked and I hid myself. Now, a lot of people listening right now may sit there and say, okay, well, that was, that was Adam, and we can see in that other people's lives. But, Sid, I want to make a powerful statement right now. I believe many, many people are in the church. They're in the church, and they're hiding from the presence of God while going to church because of fear.
0: And, and you know what? It's so diabolical. They don't even realize it.
1: No, because fear blinds our eyes to truth. Fear blinds us from the capability of seeing what is really there. Because when we see through the blinders, when we try to look through the blinders of fear, we cannot see accurately.
0: Uh, you know, the thought that's coming to me as we're talking right now is uh, we do know, according to the Bible and according to the prophets uh, that God has put uh, in the body— that we're coming in to the toughest of times in planet Earth. And in Revelations 21.8, it says the fearful will be thrown into the lake of fire. And so it's, it, 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 it's for sure, for certain, fear should not be in our vocabulary.
1: It is not a characteristic of God, for God has not given us the spirit of fear but of power and of love and a sound mind. And you're right, Sid. The, the things that are coming, the economic turmoil that's coming, the transformations in government, we see the rioting that's going on around the world and that's trying to get stirred up here in the United States. The the flood tide of wickedness. There's fear coming. Our, our economy right now is being damaged because of the spirit of fear. I was reading a report just recently that... Trillions of dollars that are sitting on the sidelines that could be invested that are not because of fear. Fear is binding us up, and if we're gonna walk free in the end times and do what God has called us to do, we Christian we don't have an option to play with this thing anymore. We can't play with fear anymore, we can't give justification for it, we can't allow it to remain in our lives anymore. God came, did not give it to us and repeatedly throughout scriptures, hundreds of times, commanded us not to have fear.
0: Well, you know, fear, you pointed out, is stopping us. It's robbing us from the supernatural of God, from revival in our churches. But I believe fear is robbing us individually from, as you stated, even intimacy with God,
1: of which everything good comes from. It causes us to withdraw from the presence of God. When they heard God coming, they hid themselves from his presence, they hid themselves from his presence. We see this, and this is going to be strong. We see this in and in, in a way operating in a lot of the seeker sensitive churches today that there are pastors that are so fearful about chase, chasing people away, about not being able to have the size of church they want to have, not being able to have the finances they need and the support that they have actually hid themselves from the presence of god they've hid themselves they don't want god to really show up they don't want oh i'm going to get in trouble here but they don't want signs and wonders they don't want devils coming out in the altar they don't want tongues and interpretation and prophecy because they're afraid that if god does what god does if the presence of god shows up because we know from the word when god's presence shows up everything's shook if the present god goes up and it's just shaking begins to happen that people are going to leave, and they're not going to have the big church they want to have, and maybe they're not going to have the money they're going to have. So fear has caused them under the delusion. They don't even see it as that. They, they think they're being wise. They think they're being sensitive to the world. But it, where the reality is they have withdrawn from the very presence of God because of fear.
0: You know, you talk about how uh, the church is really divided in many instances in three groups. There's, there's some that teach uh, the gospel of condemnation. There's some that teach the gospel of grace. And frankly, a lot of Christians are still believers in Jesus, but they've just even given up on the church system.
1: They they have walked out because they feel disconnected. They don't feel they can... There's a lot of reasons. Some have been hurt. And so they built a wall of fear, and they've withdrawn from the, the, the church structure that God has established. Others are just so disillusioned, and, uh, and so they've withdrawn because of, of that, and I see a lot of people, our church has grown dramatically here in the North Fort Worth area, we've only been in uh, existence for two and a half years, we've got over 800 people, Sid, over half of our people had stopped going to church.
0: I've never seen a time like this before. I mean, when I was a younger believer, if someone stopped going to church, they stopped going to church because they were backslid. But there are so many good Christians that have just given
1: up. They've given up. And what they don't recognize is often there's a root of fear in there that has caused them to build a wall to protect themselves. And we have got to break the power that, that we cannot operate, we cannot afford to operate under under fear in these end times because fear always produces a hesitation. Hesitation makes us vulnerable to the assignments of the enemy.
0: Well, if there's ever been a time to be free from fear, uh, tell me a little bit about this three-CD series because I, I, I want to listen to it again and again and again called Fearless.
1: This Breakthrough. This was preached in a conference. I took a multi-day conference to deal with the subject of fear. God was speaking to me so strongly about it. I We really go into the roots, the applications, the implications of fear, how it has penetrated into everybody's individual parts of their lives, and a phenomenal, phenomenal revelation and experience that brings the breakthrough to shatter that power of fear once and for all off of our lives. It is different than what most people think, but it is what will permanently remove it out of our lives. This is, to me, one of the most significant, important revelations that people will ever get if they ever want to do anything great for God.
0: Could you—I hate to do this to you, but I've got to—briefly tell me about Mark.
1: There was a young man. He was raised uh, in Los Angeles, nine years old, was always being beat up by gangs, so he decided to join a gang out of fear. By 11 years old, he was a marksman with a 9mm. By 14 years old, he was being running the point man, running illegal guns over the border from Mexico. His job was to kill anybody who got in the way. When well, Mark had came into one of our meetings and got touched by the power of God, I literally cast demons out of him. The next night, he shared with me what had happened in his life, what he was doing. I told him he needed to come out of the gangs. He said, hey, I can't. They're going to kill me. Well, within a couple of days... Uh, and I'm going to make a short short, but within a couple of days, they contacted him again. They were actually going to promote him. The head guy running the guns and the illegal uh, activity there in San Diego was actually bringing this young man in to have a, 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 a meeting with him to promote him. I didn't know. I thought the meeting was going to be at 4 o'clock in the afternoon, but it was 1130 in the morning. And I didn't know what was coming. And all of a sudden, I was praying about 1130 in the morning for this young man. He had gotten called in this meeting. This guy... Wanted to promote him. And he turned to me and said, well, no, I just got, gave my life to Jesus. I want to get out. This man stood up and said, there's no way you can get out. And he pointed a gun right at him, ready to kill him right there. I'm in my car, not even knowing what he's having, praying. And all of a sudden, I start loosing warring angels to go protect this young man. We verified it later. As this man had this gun, this gang member had this gun pointed at this young man, all of a sudden, fear hit his face. He lowered his gun, dropped it down on the ground. And he turned to this young man who was in this room with only one other person, and he said, you and all those guys standing behind you, leave. And that young man took his gun out, put it on the table, and walked out. That, that head gang member put out an order, don't touch – nobody is to touch that young man. People say, what happened? He saw the angels of God show up. Fear hit this gang member. He was ready to kill this young man. Now this young man serving the Lord. He's a faithful member of our military. God radically, radically delivered his life and broke through the powers that were controlling him.
0: Shalom mishpocha. Shalom, family. Mishpacha is a Hebrew word. It means family. (laughs) We're the Mishpacha, the family with the Jewish heart, made up of Jewish and non Jewish people. With the middle wall of separation between Jew and Gentile, it's finally come down to form one new man. Getting ready, Mishpacha, to blow the grandest shofar or the grandest trumpet in Zion. We want everyone, everywhere, to hear the good news. We want everyone, everywhere to be. Red hot for the Messiah. My guest is red hot for the Messiah because God gave him a revelation. Literally, God gave him a vision and he saw what happened to Adam and Eve and he found out that there were two demon spirits that all demons get their strength from. And when someone can get rid of these two demon spirits, they can get rid of all types of fear, all types of addictions. Uh, there isn't a problem that you have that you can't get rid of if you get rid of these, the mother of all spirits that were way back in the Garden of Eden, these two demon spirits. And uh, Steve, I love your teaching. On how to get rid of these demons, and people have to go over this over and over again because it's it 's my heart 's desire to walk in the way to get rid of those spirits. Would you teach on that
1: there is such a power of God, God has given us the answers said he 's given us the answers to break these things you know we 've been talking about insecurity inferiority, but what ele- what and the revelation of Christ is what brings, when we really begin to see him, the Bible says that when we see him, we shall be like him. As we continue to behold him, we're being changed into his image. When we begin to see, when we've been predestined by God to be conformed into his image, when we begin to see him as he is, we begin to see who we really are, which breaks the root of insecurity and inferiority. But first, we've got to get through this wall. We have built such huge walls of fear that, to, that actually insulates us, it removes us from the presence of God, and it actually insulates us from the power of the truth of the Word of God to come and penetrate ourselves. But God has said, and here's the promises of God, 1 John four eighteen, He says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. And that we, we've spent this week talking a lot about fear. And we've spent a lot of time talking about how it is affected and, and, and hinders our lives. But the Bible says perfect love casts out for That word there, perfect, literally means mature love. And the word love there is the word agape. Now, we all know agape is God's love. It's an interesting thing, though, because agape is not an emotion-based love. It is a decision-based love, where eros is sensual love and phileo is brotherly love those are strong emotion based but agape is a decision i define it as this it is a commitment of your will to act in the best interest of another regardless of the consequences to yourself you think about the bible says god so agape the world he so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son god so made a commitment of his will to act in the best interest of us, irregardless of the consequences to himself that he gave his only begotten son, and this part, this agape love, Paul says or John says that, that that literally has the power to drive fear completely out of our lives once and for all.
0: well that, that's fine to teach, Steve, but where the rubber meets the road. How do we, I want to walk in this love. I understand this love. Tell me what I need to do to walk in that kind of love. I know I have it inside of me, but the truth is I don't always walk in that kind of love.
1: Everything comes by a revelation. Oh, my Father God. Deuteronomy twenty nine twenty nine says this, the secret things belong to the Lord our God. But that which is revealed, it belongs to us and to our children. The secret things belong to the Lord our God. Until we have a revelation, it belongs to God. But once we have a revelation of the mysteries and secrets of God, once we have a revelation of this agape love, it then belongs to us. Now, when I say revelation, I'm not talking about that you can quote scriptures. This is where we've got – I love the word – but, but people quote scriptures, but it doesn't, it doesn't change them. A revelation is not the ability to quote scriptures. It's not even an inspirational thought. It is actually entering into the experience of that love. You know, Paul says uh, in Ephesians, in the Amplified, I absolutely love this. He's saying, may Christ through your faith, Ephesians 3, 17, 18, and 19. This is important I read these. May Christ through your faith actually dwell, settle down, abide, make his permanent home in your hearts. May you be rooted deep in love and founded securely on love, that you may have the power and be strong to apprehend and grasp, that means to grab a hold of, with all the saints, the experience of that love. What is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth of it, that you may really come to know practically through experience for yourselves. The love of Christ, which far surpasses mere knowledge without experience. I said, I was a young man. God had just delivered me from drugs and delivered me from from my uh, alcohol addiction and was transforming my life. And I was at a youth camp and I I was asked to come be a counselor. I'm only saved about nine weeks. Uh, And I was asked to be a counselor. And I was so excited because I was a brand-new Christian, and I wanted to. We, I thought we all would just sit around and talk about our, our, our experiences with God. But I found that these young people that went to church didn't know God. They didn't love God. I was so brokenhearted before the first service that during the worship I wept the entire service, praying, crying out to God. And something came on me, Sid. And I had already read the New Testament three times through, and I began to pray, God, if it be possible, take my salvation from me. And give it to them. Save them from an eternity in hell. When the altar call came. When the preacher preached. And the altar call came. My group. My entire cabin that I was in charge of. Ran forward to give their life to God. I was so already emotionally bent. Because I poured everything out. But I wanted to go up there. And even pray for them. And give them more. And I went up there. And said, I didn't have a chance to pray for them. Wave after wave of agape love begun to come upon me, for two hours I wept under the most amazing joy as I had an experience with the agape love of God that so revolutionized my life because that experience with the agape love of God is what got me to the place where I was truly willing to lay down my life, and it breaks the power of fear once and for all.
0: Uh, You know, you you teach on this, and it's so important to go over and over this to get that revelation deep in your spirit. But you teach that when you walk in agape love, you don't look out for what's good for me. You look out for what's good for someone else. (laughs) A totally different way of living. I mean, that's the way the world is supposed to operate.
1: It is, and it's the way God it's the way God operates, and it's the way you know the Bible says in Philippians two five, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. He didn't think about what was his best interest, but was in the best interest of us. We're to first think about what's in the best interest of God, and then what's the best interest of others. This is the command of Christ. The reason God calls fear sin, and even says in Revelations that in the lake of fire. It's the fearful are the first ones going in is because fear is all about self-preservation. Fear causes you to withdraw and protect yourself. Agape causes you to be willing to lay down your life and deny yourself.
0: You know, so many of our role models in the super mega churches, I, I hate to say this, many pastors are control freaks, and I'm beginning to see this is rooted in fear. It's not rooted in control.
1: It's like absolutely, Sid, you've nailed it on the head. That's revelation from God, right there. That's exactly. They're so fearful. They're fe- Oh, Father God, I, I, I said there are people listening right now. I mean by the thousands that are not in church right now because God has put giftings on their lives and calls on their life, but they were in churches with leaders that were so bound by fear. That they kept shutting them down because they were intimidated. They were afraid. What if God uses this person more? What if the people like that person more? What if they what if they get ministered to by them more? And so they shut down the gifts of the spirit and they shut down the pro- prophetic and they shut down the supernatural because they're afraid of losing control. And it, it is a sign. It is not being driven by the agape of God, the agape love of God. But here's what's happened to the many of those people. They were shut down So then they became attacked, they felt insecure, they felt inferior, now fear has come into their life. And so now they have built walls. They've withdrawn from being a part of the church. They've withdrawn into little safe protection, their small little circles. And so the enemy perpetuates, because they were under a leader of fear, now they have begun to operate in fear. And everyone's building walls of protection to protect ourselves, instead of operating in agape love and trusting in God and laying our lives down. Greater love has no man than this, except he lay his life down.
0: We're coming into times that the only defense that we're going to have is to walk in God. And my Bible says God is love, so therefore we have to walk in love. And I'm so excited. I I know you require the people that join your church to read your book, Satan's Dirty Little Secret, but now it's been expanded by five chapters. And I wish you had time to to teach about judging and the motives of someone's heart. Uh, Because when people understand this, their whole marriages are going to be transformed. We're making the book and the three CDs, Fearless, available for a gift of $35. To hear this week's interview in its entirety or to watch archives of our television show, It's Supernatural! Visit our website at www.sidroth.org That's www.sidroth.org To receive a complimentary copy of our bi-monthly teaching newsletter, materials catalog, or information about becoming mishpucha or chalitzim, write to me, Sid Roth, Post Office Box, 1918, Brunswick, Georgia, 31521. Or call our order-only line, 1-800-447-2697. To place a credit card order, call anytime, 1-800-447-2697. For all other calls, the number is 912-265-2500. That's 912 265-2500. For a CD of this week's broadcast, send a donation of $10 or more to Sid Roth, that's S-I-D-R-O-T-H, Post Office Box 1918, Brunswick, Georgia, 31521.